Friends, it's been a quiet start to the offseason, so much to the point where we're actually getting to where we're talking about how the offseason will finish as opposed to start. With that said, I had the idea to go into the lab and uh, find some of the free agent signings that you have forgotten about, either because you chose to forget about or because they just didn't really make that much of a uh, blip on your radar. So we're going to spend the next at least couple shows talking about some of these free agents that you do not have any recollection of the Twins signing. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And back again by popular demand, Mr. Dave Brown at Answer Dave Brown on the X. What's up? I demand to know who's demanding me. I'll have my people talk to your people. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's I'm not supposed to say, but... Uh, we're glad you're here, both you, Dave Brown, and listeners. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And, of course, uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is your team every day. Again, we encourage you to be interactive with the show. We love to hear from you in uh, any different shape, way, form that you see fit, as long as you're being nice. If you're being nice, then we're more than happy to hear from you. But yeah, again, five-star reviews are huge for us on the platforms that you're listening on. Thumbs up, all that good stuff. Subscribe button on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Locked On, all one word, all in caps, for 20 bucks off your first purchase. So Dave Brown, I told you what my idea was. And it was Let's just talk about free agents that people have little to no recollection of the Twins signing. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily Josh Donaldson where, yes, you remember it, but you wish you didn't, um, or any number of other things. It was just kind of like, I don't know, I went to 1987 because, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of... That was an my, important season in the history of the Twins. Yeah, I mean, it's where my awareness of the players kind of comes from. So I wanted to do an era where I knew enough about the players that even if it was someone who was beyond my level of like age of watching, you and I could banter about that player. So um, I, I'm trying to remember which one, which one did I text you that I said was kind of funny? Like I didn't think you'd, Oh, Rich Harden, Rich Harden was the one that I thought, you know, is there any way Dave Brown's even going to remember that the Twins had Rich Harden for a time? I can have a, I have a mental picture of him in a Twins jersey, but like, I don't know. Um, it, it's uh, that's kind of a no. I don't really remember that. And a lot of these guys may not have wound up seeing the light of the major leagues with the Twins. Some of them did, but um, what it'll come down to is what they did before, after, during. Uh, all sorts of things. It'll just be names that maybe we haven't really thought about in a Twins former fashion um, for some of these guys ever, which, uh, I don't know, to me is going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to start big. Um, on 
January 29th, 1988, the Minnesota Twins signed a future free, uh, future Hall of Fame left-hander. And again, we're starting post-87 era, so it's it's kind of, again, what I'm aware of. Do you have any idea who this pitcher is? This is 1988, you say? January 29th, 1988. I'll give you a hint. This pitcher has 300 wins. And today is 79 years old. Um, that year wasn't Carlton, was it? it he was oh, that's that. Steve Carlton. So he had been with the Twins to end the 87 season. Trick and then question, had a kind yeah. of. Well. But either way, uh, yeah, comes back 16.76 ERA in nine and two thirds innings, which comes out to uh, 18 earned runs in nine and two thirds innings. Hard to wonder why they weren't willing to keep him around after that. But yeah, that was Steve Carlton's swan song. And one of the answers to what's the saddest fit you've ever seen a Hall of Fame player go out of their career in? Um, Harmon Killebrew as a Royal comes to mind. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., I guess with the Mariners the second time around kind of comes to mind. But, um, yeah, it's just a very, very sad end to an otherwise incredible career. Uh, Steve Carlton with your Minnesota Twins. I, I remember the, the White Sox were in the habit a couple years earlier of, uh, well, I mean, Carlton was one of the guys that they brought in after he was – I think cut by, uh, I don't remember if it was the Phillies or the Giants, something like that. And they also had George Foster. They got him around the same time. And you know, this is, this was uh, Ken the Hawk Harrelson is the GM bringing them oh, yeah. in. So uh, not a great, and the same year they fired Larusa. So uh, amazing. And, and they got uh, some decent games out of Carlton, which is, uh, uh, I, I suppose the twins did too. The, the overall numbers aren't good, but they did win. The World Series with him on the team, I think, right? And yeah. um, he didn't I mean, pitch all that well. I don't even know if he pitched in the playoffs, but um, no, he was there. Understand. He was he was there, and perhaps um, giving off you know some really good advice about uh, you know where to find uh, land that you can live by yourself away from other people, and, and maybe pitching too, maybe a slider. Yeah. Uh I did not limit myself to off-season signings, and I did not limit myself exclusively to free agent as uh, professional signings. So there's a few amateur free agents I sprinkled in there, but I was very judicious about my usage. On June 26th, the Minnesota Twins in 1989 signed Kerry Taylor as an amateur free agent. Now, if you're asking yourself, who the bleep is Kerry Taylor? He grew up in my hometown, went to the same high school as me. He's the only major league player to ever come from Roseville, Minnesota. And the story of how he was signed is hilarious because he was pitching at the Lions All-Star Series in the Twin Cities down here. Um, he had gone undrafted because when the Twins went up and saw him, it was like 30 degrees that day and he couldn't get loose. And so he looked terrible. Um, comes down in, in June, pitches in the Lions Series and... I was told Terry Ryan was in person there seeing it happening, freaking out and trying to get him signed on the spot thinking, man, you know, we missed on a kid 
from here, we cannot let another scout because it would be a Milwaukee scout, Chicago, you know, whatever. Right. And um, so, yeah, that's the story of how the only big leaguer from Roseville, Minnesota became a professional. He wasn't drafted. He was signed. And um, he became a big leaguer. He was rule fived away from the Twins in 93 by the Padres. And so he played for the Padres in 93 and 94. And that was it. But he's got some fun stories, you know, like he played with Tony Gwynn and Gary Sheffield back then. And he went over and played overseas and was kind of explaining to me how it's how how you kind of get the cold shoulder sometimes as an American because you're taking a roster spot from a countryman. Right. You know, he, he had a lot of good stories, uh, but not before he struck me out on three pitches in 2008, uh, eight years after he'd played professionally. He just came back for the alumni game and struck me out with absolutely no no effort put forth. So maybe not a cool story to anybody else, but I don't know. I grew up uh, in the same town as a big leaguer, and to me, that's kind of cool. Well, you mentioned uh, Steve Carlton and other players going out, you know, kind of with a with a thud on their careers. But if you count this uh, this alumni game, uh, it sounds like he went out on a on a good note. Uh, you know, and it, you can sort of tell some things by a guy's transactions and like, you know, you mentioned that he, uh, the, the twins were afraid that he'd get away and then, well, he did get away and he did make uh, the te- uh, you know, a roster, a major league roster of a different team as a rule five. You can kind of tell that this guy's a fighter and a survivor and um, you can, uh, and you know, you've, you've had a chance to talk to him about it. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's uh that's a neat uh, that's definitely a guy I don't I don't remember with the twins mostly because he spent the, the time as a minor leaguer but it's uh it's cool that somebody remembers him yeah for sure he actually there was a card shop in town he came back and signed cards and that was just before my awareness of baseball I would mm-hmm. say like 93 was my first year and I think he was signing in 92 or 91 he hadn't been a pro for very long but um yeah, it was kind of cool as a you know seven eight year old kid to know that someone from your town was in the major leagues, even as a you know mop up guy or or For whatever. Sure. Uh, let's take a quick second talk about our friends at Game Time, and then come home and uh, really uh, see how far we can get down this list. That's about five pages long. But first, a word from Game Time. So, Dave Brown, you ever have a time when you're looking for tickets and just you know, you don't know where to go or you don't know if you're going to go somewhere where there's a bunch of fees and all that stuff. Like the first place I would go to is game time. And if, if people are not aware, it's the game time app or gametime.co.co. So if you're looking for tickets, you're just having a frustrating experience, you don't have to worry at all. You can browse through the game time app. You can look at different events, um, either in the twin cities or wherever you're at. And it, uh, it it lays it out perfectly. They give you all different kinds of options for where you want to sit, how much you want to spend, and that sort of thing. They'll let you kind of get a view for where you're going to be at. I actually did that for a show, and it, it couldn't have been any better. But it's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can not only, like I said, see the view, but you know exactly what to do when you get there. The all-in price shows you the total up front, so there's no... Tricky fees at the end, two taps, and you're done. And they even have tickets up to an hour after the event starts. So you can get in while the getting's good. And uh, 
The, the zone deal gives you the best seats for your money. And the game time guarantee is probably my favorite part. You always get the best price. And if you find the tickets that you have in the same section and row for less elsewhere, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the ticket buying guesswork out of the equation. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now I know Dave Brown's about to go find some tickets here, but uh first we have some more work to do. We only got through two signings in the first segment. I don't know how I feel about that. Um <laughs> February 28th, 1990, the Twins signed a left-handed pitcher about 6'7", 230 pounds, career war of 41.9. He was a fifth-place Cy Young finisher in 1977. And 177 career wins. He lasted exactly, exactly uh, 34 games with the Twins before they flipped him Let's see, where do they send him? I want to make sure I get that right. To the Blue Jays. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I'm cheating. Uh, I'm looking. Uh, it's not, no, I don't know. Jeff Zahn? No. No, John Candelaria. Oh, that's right. I thought, okay, I, I misheard what you said. I remember them bringing him aboard. He was a guy that people would bring in late. You know, he went to the Angels at one time. And, uh, you know, who's... Uh, Expos. Yes, and you know, yeah, let's we're competing for a thing. We know this guy won the World Series with the Pirates in '79. Let's bring in Candelaria. Won 20 games as a 23 year old in 1977. So, um, you know, never really got back to that level again. But you know, I, I wonder in that era if you know how, how that was viewed as a signing. You know, because it's so weird. Obviously, not in the the Twitter era or anything. This would be probably decried as like a cheap. Oh, trying to get lighting in a bottle from a guy who used to be good kind of signing. And uh, honestly, he was he was pretty solid. Uh, too many homers, but nice year. Uh, the kind of free agent that would probably be more exciting than Twins fans would give credit for. Well, I see traded by the Twins to the Blue Jays for Nelson Liriano, an infielder I remember somewhat yep. fondly. And Pedro Munoz, one of my odd favorite twins of all time just a right-handed uh power hitter didn't walk enough uh didn't hit enough home runs but i liked pedro munoz he had terrible knees as i recall yeah. um do you know his claim to fame hmm, what is it hitting a walk-off home run in like the 22nd or 23rd inning against the uh, i think it was cleveland hmm. if i'm not mistaken but like the game went until i don't know 1 2 a.m and uh, I actually got to talk to Tom Kelly in the press box at Target Field about it. And he remembered it a little differently than I did. Um, he thought it was a day game for some reason, which it wasn't. But he was trying to tell me that, like, uh, it, it was a day game and it took forever and whatnot. And I was, but we still kind of reminisced about it because he said, oh, Petey Munoz won the game for us. And he definitely remembered that. So um, that's my favorite Pedro Munoz story. Always. Uh, Always a player who we really enjoyed, though, as kids watching play. He, he was a guy that if you played uh, the right kind of fantasy league, he wasn't a guy that you had on your team all year, but he was a, 
replacement level slightly above. It's a guy you'd pick up on waivers or for hot streaks or whatever while you uh, found some other outfielder. So he was a guy that you had on your your team, just maybe not all year. Yeah. I can't pay a higher compliment. AL only. Yeah. That's what I would do probably if I, you know, you get those AL only leagues where you got to stick to like fifth outfielders and stuff. That would be for me. Um, August 25th, 1990, the twins signed Corey Lytle as an amateur free agent. A lot of these, a lot of these are coming across to me as I was researching and like not remembering them fully that they were a thing. Uh, it's hard to remember guys when they, when it's like a spring training thing or they just go to the minors or it doesn't work out or whatever it's, uh, or he's just traded so fast that he never, you know you know, or d- doesn't come up to the high minors and comes up to the team. It's just very, um, yeah. And it's like, wow, that guy was on the twin on the twins. I, you know, I don't think I have any memory of that at all. Well, and so he was 18 at the time. So it would have been as a undrafted free agent. And so that's why, uh, but you know, obviously more well known for, you know, crashing his plane and passing away in New York. Um, Post 9-11 scared the hell out of everybody. I remember when it happened on Twitter and, uh, 10-11, wow. Instead of 9-11, it was 10-11-2006. So it was like right when Twitter was just starting up. Right. And it was just, uh, or at least I think I remember it. Well, I remember some conversations about it. Maybe it was like an anniversary of it. But, but it, was, it was freaky. It was. it was. And, you know, people don't don't like uh, those kind of conversations about crashing into towers with airplanes. So it's uh, in New York City. No. No. Um, next one on the list, January 7th, 1993. Twins bringing someone back for a third time. It does not work out, but do you have any idea who it was? No, I need more hints than that. But just tell me, though. Bert Blyler came back in 1993. I I had known that, but I hadn't remembered it. He, I believe he was one of the last cuts in spring training because um, I believe he missed 92 uh, he was with the Angels, but had an arm issue or something. Missed a season or missed a large part of a season, right? And uh, I think that was pretty much it for him. He uh, ninety one came back in ninety two and started twenty four games, but after that, oh, he missed ninety one. Okay, okay. Right. But so anyway, uh, goes to spring training with the Twins in ninety three, um, and, and nothing comes of it. But I don't know if people even you know fans nowadays. You know, a lot of them will know the first time around, and then he got ticked off and got traded and then came back and then, you know, uh, won the world series. But the third time, I didn't know if too many people would know about that. Uh, for 300 wins. I would imagine because he finished with 287. Right. Right. Um, the next one, I want to make sure I get this, uh, the right name here. Uh, on April 5th of that year, the twins signed Steve Ontiveros as a free agent. Now, Steve Ontiveros to the average listener, probably whatever, no big deal. But, um, you know, just as people who watched baseball in the 90s, late 80s, etc., cetera, um, you'd at least know who Steve Ontiveros was. Uh, 660-plus big, big league innings, um, pretty nice years with the A's the, uh, the second time around, and then had a bunch of issues and then came back in 2000. So I think though uh, the fact that he was ever a member of the twins organization to me was still surprising because I had no idea. He, so he missed 91 and 92 
And then in 93, the Twins sign him. He doesn't make the team, but he ends up throwing 18 pretty good innings for the Mariners. Um, and then becomes an all-star in 95 before his career is more or less over. Uh, one, one of those guys that just wouldn't give up, you know? I mean, he had something of a career, uh, a decent player from time to time with a couple different teams. You mentioned the A's and the Phillies uh, right. you know, had injuries. And then you're right. In like mid thirties, the guy, well, he leads the league in ERA and then they go on strike and then makes an all-star team in 95 at, at age 34. So it's just, one of those lots of other guys probably would have given up a long time before him and but he just kept plugging and uh made a 10 year career out of it i don't know if he had enough uh for uh, ten, uh tenure but for the um what's the pension the thank you yeah um, let me see uh what is it 10 year tenure it just kind of works kind of rolls off yeah, the tongue right 10 year i got 20 year as ricky henderson said so oh boy um, oh, brother. It, it says he pitched 10 years, so hopefully he's getting that pension check. Yeah, I mean, just and again, um, more about this is just shining light to the names I wasn't even aware of had been, or like even as the years go on and we get maybe another episode or two in, there's going to be names that of guys that the twins signed while I was covering the team that I was like, what you know, right. so. So yeah. Sometimes it's uh this sounds like a like a rationalization, but sometimes when you're covering the team, you, you depending on what your beat is, you aren't necessarily thinking about the guys. Twitter's changed this a little different a little bit with with my how I, my outlook on things. Yeah. Guys who either cover the team or just have an interest in covering the team, usually these minor league guys, they are on everything. Like they are ready when the Steve Onaveras's of today sign with the minor mm -hmm. league team, you know, as if it's going to affect the major league team. And we don't know that it is at the time, but they're kind of ready for it. And uh, that is a special, as much of a nerd as I am and mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a replete, complete a reporter in some senses, I'm kind of with you that, you know, if uh, as far as the whole 40 beyond the 40 man roster and just all the organized, you know, all the, uh, the minor league teams, I don't necessarily know everybody's name. So uh, it, it's not. Uh, it should not surprise you that uh, every once in a while the Twins have have a guy that you don't remember being on the team because you know you've got major leaguers to keep track of. For gosh sakes, true, true. Um, th this one I don't really know what to make of. December 22, nineteen ninety four. Would they have to have been a scab to sign then? In December, uh, yes. Is it Rick Reed? No, no, Rick Reed was a trade, but okay. I see your point. Kevin Moss. You oh. remember Kevin Moss? Yeah, uh, so, uh, lefty uh, Yankee Stadium guy. Yeah, so second in Rookie of the Year in 1990, had 21 homers in 79 games. I'm sure they were ready to print the Hall of Fame plaque for him out in Monument Park after that. Right. Um, and he's, he's a thoroughly average hitter the next four years. Right. Plays nowhere in 1994 and then is with the Twins in 95. Now, where I'm getting tripped up is, you know, how does he sign in December, but then play in 95 as not a replacement player? Oh, he's, uh, he wasn't a replacement player? Or you, you're not oh, sure? He's on the regular team, yeah. Like, I mean, well, he guys uh, in 95, you know, um, like Rick Reed you know, was a replacement player, was a scab. And that's as, as much as I love Rick Reed, yeah. I wasn't quite the, as, you know, gung-ho pro-union in those days, just from a visceral standpoint that I am now. But 
and I, I probably mm-hmm. would have scoffed. But I, you know, Rick Reed's, you know, that's a guy who uh, he he used, you know, every uh, chance he got, and you know, eventually uh, became a, a usable major league player and a, and a good guy and a good player. Yeah, but it's not a twin. Yes, exactly. Uh, I can't imagine if they signed him in December. That's technically crossing a picket line. So we're going to have to shun him. Yep. Uh, as union men. We like Randy Moss better than Kevin Moss anyway. I'm so. half kidding. Yeah, really. Randy Moss. That's uh, I don't think they're related. Kevin well, Moss well, is kind of like the Yankees' second attempt at Dan Pasqua. They had him on with the uh, in the 80s and traded him to the White Sox. And I, it obviously bothered the boss. We need another guy. All he can do is hit the, fo- the foul pole sometimes and draw some walks. That's what Kevin Moss was. Do you ever meet uh, Carson Sestouli from Fangraphs back in the day? I have. I met him. I th- you know, I've talked to him. I think I did meet him once. And I know that we follow each other on Twitter. And I definitely read him. And uh, just one of the funniest guys. And he is uh, he's in some or- team's front office now, is he not? Yeah, I don't remember. Where, Toronto, maybe? Um, yeah, that sounds about right. But he had this this joke. The one time I was around him was at Fangraphs, Arizona. And I'm getting off subject here, but uh, it's what we do. He best. tried to compare. He tried to compare two players who had like like Billy Bean and Billy Bean. You know, one that was B A N E and B A E A N. Two guys who played in the big leagues. And he made a comparison like that. And somebody said, you idiot. Their last names aren't even spelled the same. And he goes, yeah, uh, well, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen are brothers too. And their names aren't even close, you moron. And like, he just, and he had it like that. And it was like, he's he's such an absurdist, like funny yeah. person. That's why we, That's why he and I got along for that reason. That's That is the kind of joke. I don't want to say that I could make. I'm not sure if I could pull that off, but it is like the kind of jokes I would like to make. Let's just say. He just did it off the top of his head too. Yeah. Like, hey, wise guy, you know, uh, <laughs> I have no great, idea how he did one. it. I like that. Um, January 28th, 1996, twins sign an amateur free agent from down under who is now doing broadcasting of the warehouse games on John Boy Media. Peter Moylan was in the twins organization for a brief minute. Um, Who knew? Wow. I mean, obviously, I remember him with the Braves. And then and that's the Royals, well too. He was pitching until not that long ago. No, 2018. Yeah. He was 39. He had a 400-inning career. He pitched for 12 years. He was a, yeah, I mean, he not a he, sidewinder. Uh, it, was tr- it was goofy one way or another. Yeah, he was a goofy uh, Kansas Australian. City. Kansas City for a couple stints, three separate stints in Atlanta. Um, I think they love him in Atlanta, which good for him. I think he's on their, or he he has been on their Braves broadcast. They they change their guys out sometimes, but I remember him within the last few years being on their maybe their post game, pre game kind of package. So uh, you know he's a guy that uh, you know they, like you said they love him down there. So when was yeah. this with the with the uh, oh he started out with the Twins. Well, I January mean. 20- you know, yeah, 1996. So, released see. by the Twins in '98, and then his next transaction is signing with the Braves in 2006. So, does that mean did he go back down under? I don't know, but it, yeah, it took he him must, a while he must have played for like the Perth Heat or something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna right. pull it up just because. Yeah, it says there's CPBL stats. I'm sure it's riveting for me to be reading Baseball Reference to people on on the air, but um, I I suspect. 
That yeah, like uh, huh. no, it's just a gap. There is a gap. I, I don't know if what, is that one of his time in Tommy John's. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he did a little time. Uh, no, we love Pete Moyle. I don't want to make any jokes like that. Um, December nineteenth, ninety six. Twin signed Eric Anthony as a free agent. Now Eric Anthony, not loved Eric Anthony. Eric Anthony was like if Kevin Moss could put it all together, he would be Eric Anthony, which is not putting it all together, but it would be for Kevin Moss. Well, and so Eric Anthony for me. Um, I used to absolutely mash with him on World Series baseball, the the nineteen ninety three edition. So mm-hmm. obviously, I'd kill it with Griffey because Ken Griffey's juniors, Ken Griffey Junior. and Jay Buner's hitting bombs, and you know, then it's uh, he could get a hold of one though. Eric Mike Lauer it a long way. So Eric Anthony was hitting like six twenty for me through like fifty games, and so that's my Eric Anthony. He was my favorite player that wasn't supposed to be any good because Brian Terang was pretty good for me too. His son Bryce plays for the Brewers now. Um, but I yeah, had, I, uh, I I should not do these tangents. I had Brian Terang on a fantasy team in '93 as an extra as a September call-up. It was one of those leagues where you had it was an AL only, and mm-hmm. you had uh, minor leagues. And Brian Terang was a guy that I called up for stolen bases in '93, and Eric Anthony was a guy I had for one or two dollars on my first NL only team in like 1990. So uh, this is when I was still a teenager, obviously. Oh, uh, so I, you know, you're, 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 we're really bringing up names now. Well, that's what we're here to do. Uh, speaking of bringing up names, December 20th. So the next day twins sign Greg Olson as a free agent, which one the tight end. Hmm. No, um, the relief pitcher, they actually signed the catcher a while back. Uh, and he was actually from Minnesota. So there was a whole bunch of confusion. And if you don't know, now, you know that, uh, this Greg Olson, two G's, uh, he and I hosted a podcast for a while called that nineties baseball pod. And we basically just sat around remembering some guys and talking about the nineties. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have to bring that back someday. We'll see. But Greg Olson, his time with the twins, I always joke with him, was about a half an hour. Um, but they tried to they tried to talk him into changing something with his motion. He'd been hurt trying to get that curveball back, whatever, and uh, didn't last very long. But his favorite story was uh, that Tom Kelly came through the clubhouse door uh, all wrapped up. I think I think Kelly was left handed, if I remember correctly, but I'm not certain about that. Oh, wow. Either way, he was he was all wrapped up from having thrown batting practice, and Ole had kind of a crack for him, like, uh, "Oh, how you, how you feeling? Whatever." And like Kelly just shot him a glance, and he's like, "That's not good. That that's the guy you don't want to get mad at you in the Twins organization in the late '90s because he's basically the only one left." Right. Yeah. I, I, that's how I felt. I mean, it, I didn't have to talk to to Kelly too many times, but when I was coming up as a reporter and the twins would be home for the White Sox or the Cubs, you know, I, I would probably get to talk and be among the group. And he was kind of intimidating. He was, he was a suffer no fools kind of a guy. And if he didn't know you, uh, you were, you're down Oh two in the count. So, yep. uh, but, but I, I, overall Tom Kelly's reputation was one as being very dryly funny and, yep. um, but still, he uh, he was kind of scary to me, sort of like Buck Showalter. Two TK stories. Um, in the history of that 90s baseball podcast, we had one guest 
who could not do the phone call over a cell phone because they did not have a cell phone. And that was Tom Kelly. That's and he awesome. gave us an hour of gold. But I had to call him from Skype and figure out how to push a button because he had one of those solicitor blocking things set up on his phone. Like the most okay boomer thing you could imagine. If you're a solicitor, you have to hang up. Otherwise, press nine. And on Skype, I was trying to figure out how to get the, the little thing back with the numbers. I was losing it because here's the other thing. Like you said, he suffers no fools. I'm not getting that second phone call. You right. know what I mean? If I make a phone call and he picks up and nobody's there, I think you're done. I think you're finished. It doesn't matter that the guy that's on your show pitched for him. So that was an intimidating situation. And you pulled this off and you still did the the interview. Yeah. And then the other one was, so you've been in countless media scrums, I'm sure. And uh, there's always like the TV sports guy or some fill in who's always trying to ask questions that you're just like, who is this guy? Right? Right. Well, so the vibe is decidedly different before and after games. And it took me a minute to figure that out back when I was very first. Like, guys just want to get out of there after the game. So don't try to write a feature, you know? Um, But so anyhow, focus on the game. We're not really looking forward to tomorrow until tomorrow. And uh, the guy goes, coach? No. And the second he said, coach... Like, that's when I think the trigger just tripped in TK. And uh, he goes, Coach, uh, you know, you got uh, got a big game tomorrow. What, what's the game plan to get a victory? And, like, anybody who knows anything about baseball, like, that's not a thing, you know. You call yeah, you call pin, but you're only as good as tomorrow's starter, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of cliches that would have that guy covered, none of which would matter. Um, but so TK kind of just looks at him. He goes, well. Gonna go home. Good night's sleep. Get out of bed. Put on our baseball shoes. <laughs> like he just goes down this list. We're gonna give it our best. See what happens. And like he just verbally destroyed this person without raising his voice, without swearing, without saying right. anything about the guy. Just he had to know that what he asked was okay. Yeah, dude, come with better uh, yeah. material. The uh, to the to the set, I uh, you know I, I know that happened a couple times, maybe not with Tom Kelly, but yeah, uh, yeah. When you drop coach on the manager, <clears throat> that's a, that's one that's one battle that we'll we'll never lose. I, I fear I fear we're losing the uh, locker room versus clubhouse thing. It used to be that you called that place a clubhouse. You did not call it a locker room. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why everybody was so hard asked about it, but. Uh, now it's the words are completely interchangeable by people who work in the club. It's it's that's so dead. It's, a, okay it's a clubhouse or a or a locker room now, and nobody gives a shit. Yeah, and it's, it kills me. Yeah, well, that's that's unacceptable. So the last one um, that I arbitrarily landed on because of how long it's taken us to talk about these, uh, which is great. We're gonna get tons of content out of this, and hopefully people like it because I love talking about well, they uh, players from days gone by. Uh, on April 24th, 1997, the Twins signed a player who I suspect you know uh, at least somewhat. He was a White Sox, played in the outfield, and is a broadcaster. Any idea? Uh, those are some good clues, but... Um, yeah, I usually don't give good clues. I, I don't. Just 
his initials would give it away because he's called by his initials a lot. Oh, Darren Jackson. Darren Jackson, baby. Yes. DJ. Uh, not a twin for very long. That 97 era, like that 96, 97, whatever, like they're running through guys like Roberto Kelly and Gerald Clark and right. and all these guys who Alex Might have Cole. Might been interesting five years before. Alex Cole was a little bit before that. Uh, Otis Nixon, though. Um, you know, it just is is an an endless fount of players that you can just remember. Bob Tewksbury. I, I'm doing it, and I'm not even trying to. You know, like it's just they're just they're coming, coming out, out like like a, like, uh, like word vomit. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, well, I mean, Darren Jackson was uh, he came up? Was he a Cub? Was that his first? He was season? a Cub for at least a bit. Yeah, and a prospect. And um, I remember the White Sox. Uh, they they had a bunch of holes. They had holes in right field, like they had Sammy Sosa, and then they traded him. And then they yep. had like holes because like they'd put Sean Abner out there, and they'd put um, I don't know Mike. They ever tried Craig Ge- Grebeck out there? No, he's. I mean, he had a good arm for an infielder, but he's more. Oh, yeah. uh, once homered off uh, Nolan Ryan, by the way. So don't make fun of him. The little hurt. Hey, a. Ray um, Adrianza homered off Justin Verlander once. Oh well. See? Actually, his first three homers, complete un, unprompted tangent, but like Avery Adrianza's first two or three big league homers, like Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner, and someone. Like it was just the weirdest, right. like. Right. And then, yeah, he hit a homer against, I think it was like Verlander. The Twins were down like 1 0 in the seventh or something in like 2019. Well, I think DJ is, is still a White Sox radio broadcaster. I, I don't. I know Len Casper, the former Cub, another former Cub guy, is the play-by-play guy, the radio, and I think Darren is the, you know, he used to be Hawkeroo's partner on TV and is now on the radio. So, yeah, yeah, he was – anyway, They so they go through these bunches, these Sammy Sosa guys, and then they finally – they bring in Ellis Burks. They finally hit on one. They let him go to free agency for the Rockies. And in the Mm -hmm. strike season, Darren Jackson played right field and did very well. They just kind of – it's like, you know, they they kept going for, you know, let's not – spend too much money. It was kind of a twins. Like, you know, was, was that the Bo Jackson year too? Uh, Bo Jackson was 93 and 94. Okay. But actually, he was, he was Bo, pretty- yeah. Then Bo or Bo and actually Bo was 91. And then by 94, he was pretty messed up. Wasn't he like, like, like that was the year he kind of, uh, yeah, there was some, not, he was gone. Actually, actually Bo was gone after 93 and went to okay. the angels and like slugged 500. I mean, he still, he was walking like he did. Kind of yep. all messed up, but it was uh, you know still a, a decent right-handed slugger, and then, then he was too. then he was done. So yeah, well I know you're gonna have a hard time sleeping when I tell you that tomorrow or whenever we podcast again, uh, Esteban Beltre is gonna come up. So um, yeah, he was uh, yeah I remember I, I remember him certainly with the White Sox, and then he actually played games with the Twins, did he not? I don't know if he ever did because obviously my job isn't to look that up. No, actually it is. Um, I think he, I think he, the biggest thing I remember him for was when he was with the Rangers and he had just an absolute missile launcher of a right arm. I mean, one of the best arms from short, they would always talk about was Esteban Beltre. Never played a game in the majors with the twins. So, oh well, well, it's, it's him and Ricky bonus coming up next. So, uh, Hopefully you get at least a little bit of sleep between now and whenever we talk again next. All right. I'll, I'll yeah. start now. Well, hey, 
Sounds good. Everyone, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Locked On Twins. We appreciate you more than you could imagine. And yeah, we'll be back. We'll finish off. I don't know. We'll see if we can get to another 10 years. That means we probably got about four shows worth of stuff. But I'm having fun. I think Dave Brown is having fun. Hopefully listeners are having fun. And we'll see you tomorrow night.